everyone. Welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan. Because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason, and here we delve into those reasons. This week, I have my good friend, fellow podcaster and filmmaker David B. Jacobs on the show. We have polar opposite tastes in movies, which we get into a little bit. He tells me the story of how he realized he was a horror fan in high school thanks to one of his friends and where the inspiration came from for his latest horror short called Pillow Talk. He also tells me what kinds of horror movies he can't fathom ever watching and what non-horror movie he'd love to remake as a horror movie, and it makes so much sense. And we launched a Patreon a couple months ago. If you haven't joined the community over there, click the link in the show notes, and for only $3 a month, you can get access to early episodes, stickers, a monthly newsletter, and more. I'd love to have you over there. As always, please take a second to rate and review us wherever you listen, and let's get into my conversation with David B. Jacobs. Hey, David, how are you? Hello, Allison. I am doing well. How are you? <laughs> I am so good. I'm so glad you're here. David and I, we are friends. He's from the Cadaver Dogs podcast, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, I am David. As you said, I have another horror podcast called Cadaver Dogs, where we analyze horror movies. My co-host, Devin, has been on here before. But also, I am a filmmaker myself. I write and direct movies. I have a short film, Pillow Talk, that is out right now on YouTube for free. So I'm sure that Allison will have a link to that and all that, blah, blah, blah. And I also work in the industry money-wise. I do script supervising. I'm in charge of the continuity on set. And I just really like horror a lot. I like horror movies. Do you like horror movies, Allison? I mean... Like one day a month, I like them. The other days, I'm like, no, oh, okay. not really. I think you're like a werewolf, them. but for a horror fans. Yeah, yeah. You work on really cool things like Law and Order and other other I have much cooler stuff that is not as cool to me as Law and Order. But so first things first, what's your favorite scary movie besides The Haunting from 1999? I do not like The Haunting from 1999. Allison's listeners, she likes to pretend that I like The Haunting from 1999. I don't. Don't fall for it. It's a bad movie. The original, 1963, great movie. Watch that one. So, favorite horror movies, Rosemary's Baby and American World from London. I feel like those express the dichotomy of my range to a reasonable extent. Very cool. When did you first see both of those? Rosemary's Baby, I first saw in high school. It was before I was admitting I was a horror fan. Both of them were before I was admitting a horror fan. Rosemary's, I watched my parents, actually, and I was just like, this is creepy as shit, and this is really cool. And, like, it, it's slow in a way. Like, it, you, it's slow, but you can kind of feel that stuff is going on that you're not privy to. And then as it keeps going and things keep unfolding, it... It's a slow burn that really does burn, and it just keeps getting more and more intense as it goes. And then when you go back to it later, you'll start to be able to pick up on all the clues like, oh, this is when that happened behind the scenes. This is when they were setting up that beat. I love that movie. It's so amazing. And American Werewolf in London, I first saw in college. 
and it's just a riot. It's so much. It, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's not a slow burden anyway. Just crazy, and it's funny, but it's also like tragic and sad at the same time. And I like that clashing of tones a lot. I guess, yeah. And I like werewolves, so. It has all the things in it. And the main character is named David. He went to the same college as me. He's from the same place as me. We're both from Long Island. Uh, I know that because he has my area code. <laughs> 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 like, it just keeps going. We're both Jewish. Like, this character feels like it is just me perpetuated on screen, except hotter. I'm I saying not... I'm hotter, obviously, just to be clear. I've only seen American Werewolf in London once, and I did not remember there being a Long Island area code because I am also from Long Island. Mm -hmm. So, very I cool. don't think I caught it for a long time, but I've seen the movie many times. And at some point I caught on. And I'm just like, ah, 516. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you're basically, I think your parents kind of crafted your life around that character, it sounds like. My dad had seen it at some point. <laughs> They're like, we have to name him David, and he's going to go to this college. It is, it is a thing that they won't tell me why I'm named David, hmm. or they don't know, or it just isn't that interesting. At some point, my mom told me it's because she couldn't have named me after any of her ex-boyfriends, and that really narrowed it down. Well, I mean, that makes sense. I get that. Yeah, they're like, we just like the name David. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so how did you first fall in love with the horror genre? Oh, that's a long story. We got time. So I was that kid who was very clearly obsessed with horror, but had no idea I was obsessed with horror. Like when I was young, young, you know, I loved Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo is my favorite show. I loved all the monsters and the mythology behind the monsters. I was always reading up on Egyptian mythology, Greek mythology. I thought all these things were fascinating, especially the stories with the monsters. I had at some point crafted like this entire universe that I called Monster Wars, which was like kind of a werewolf versus vampire epic but then like i kept trying to put everything else in there at some point i wrote a superhero story that was basically just a, a horror series accidentally and then finally at some point i'm i'm in high school and my friend dan goes david think you like horror and i was like no 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 i don't Horrors like that, that lesser genre. <laughs> I was very pretentious. Um, and then it's like, okay, we're going to watch a couple of horror movies. We're going to watch Scream and we're going to watch Saw. And I watched them and I'm like, these movies are both fucking amazing. Okay, let's keep going. So then I went out to watch Halloween was the next one because everyone said it was the greatest movie of all time. But, uh, I was a stupid high schooler, so I accidentally watched Rob Zombie's Halloween. The superior one? Yeah. Okay. No, the lesser one. The one that's bad. The one that's an atrocious shell of a movie, as opposed to the masterpiece that is John Carpenter's Halloween. But at that point in my life, I did not realize that I was watching the wrong one. You lucked so, out. No, I didn't. This put back my love of horror like four years because... Oh. I, I kept I thought like, oh, well, it must it must have just been a fluke. Then I really like Scream, but that's that's I don't like the others, I guess. <laughs> but then, like, you know, every so often I would watch another horror movie and be like, oh, I like that one, too. That's another exception. And then this kept going until at some point I eventually realized that I had watched the wrong Halloween. Like I saw a little clip and I was like, oh, I watched the wrong movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I watched on Carpenter's Halloween, and after that, I was all in. After that, I'm like, okay, this, obviously horror is amazing. John Carpenter's Halloween is a is a masterpiece. I don't. Do you agree, Allison? <laughs> no, I actually. I mean, I respect <laughs> Halloween, but like, I found I found it so boring. I watched it for the first time. I think in. 2018 before i saw the oh, 2018 wow. halloween i i think i had already seen too much yeah i found it so boring i was like when is it mm. gonna get scary so right at least well, there's some okay. there's You're... some action going on in rob zombies halloween so well you are you are entitled to your opinion amazing <laughs> uh you know john covers halloween's amazing uh <laughs> As you can um, tell, David and I, we have very similar taste in movies. Yes, obviously. We both like good movies. Yeah, I, I like the better movies. <laughs> I would disagree with that. <laughs> I promise you... we're friends. We are friends. Yeah, yeah. You have that friend to thank in high school for yeah. falling in love with horror. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty much. He's the one who like recognized it and convinced me to stop listening to my parents that's funny mm -hmm. so why do you think people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre you're not talking about me are you yeah you would you, you are would seem perfectly sane i do yeah oh, i'm doing something wrong okay it's a great question and i like it i feel like people who don't like horror are the crazy ones i've heard that before <laughs> <laughs> like i don't i don't really i mean you know i get like some people are just afraid and fine but also, horror is amazing, and it's wonderful. As a as a film guy, I feel like horror movies do so many interesting things with the the medium of film that they're they're often, you know, getting a little bit more experimental, getting a little more visceral in their imagery and their sound and all that. But 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 there's more to it than that because also it's horror movies can get a little more abstract about reality and in doing that they can get deeper about reality but they're also just fun and visceral i mean there was there was a thing during i i, I probably sound super pretentious but there was a thing during covid19 when there was a study that showed that like people who watch horror movies were more likely to be like relatively okay <laughs> <laughs> they were more likely to be handling things well. Yep. And there are also all these studies about like people with anxiety liking horror movies more. And then those who don't like horror movies are like, I don't get that. And those of us who do like horror movies are like, what's not to get? It it puts all your fears up on screen and it just it just actualizes them. It what's the word when it when it makes you Feel that your feelings are justified. Vindication. That's not the word I was looking for, but I think that that I, that means the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's validation. It's the self-validation of seeing like, oh yes, there are these anxieties, and here they are. But also, it shows people confronting them, and it kind of helps you to to better navigate and weave your way through all of the the fucked up things in the world because the world is really fucked up, and Horror movies aren't afraid of that. Horror movies lean into that and they show things not literally as they actually are, but kind of more like how they actually are. I think I like horror. 
<laughs> I love that answer. That's great. What scares you in horror movies today? Bugs, spiders. Oh, so you love Yes, arachnophobia. but I have not seen it and I will not see it. Oh my <laughs> goodness. yeah, spiders. I tend to be afraid of things that don't make sense, I think. I in a different way that I am a very logical person and I really like being able to make sense of everything. And I like having control of my brain and being like, ah, yes, I understand that. And here's how it all makes sense. So when things don't make sense, that I think is what scares me. Like I'm horrified of dementia. Dementia is probably a thing that scares me a lot. Movies like The Shining or Evil Within, movies that sort of break down reality a bit and are able to make you question your own, those ones scare me. Not just like not having internal consistency. Not having internal consistency is usually like I you, you just didn't do a good job at making it internally consistent, but like intentionally creating something where it's not clear what's going on and where it's... I mean, it's like the thing where, you know, every... time you get to the third act of a movie and they explain everything it's a lot less scary so the movies that don't do that those are the ones that that scare me the most So when I came on Cadaver Dogs to talk about Relic and the taking of Deborah Logan, those must have scared you pretty intensely. not deborah logan because it's too much found footagey but relic yeah Rel relic freaked me out It's a depressing <laughs> movie. it really is just all the stuff with, i don't want to spoil it Yeah. the third act of that movie when things really start to break down is fascinating it's it's excellent it's very sad i think i cried Yeah, go. Everyone should go watch it. I think it's on Shutter <laughs> now, and then you can listen to the Cadaver Dogs episode on it. yeah totally So, what are your favorite and least favorite subgenres in horror? all right i like so many subgenres so it's hard to pick a favorite So I have several favorites. I like, you know, all the all the monster movies, the ghost movies, the paranormal stuff. I like slashers a lot just because they're fun. I like watching a bunch of people get killed. I find that relaxing. It's like what I watch to go to sleep at night, you know? I'm like, oh, let's just watch people get Yeah, brutally it's butchered. fine. Everyone Yeah. does it. Yeah, just watch some people get brutally murdered. And then it's like, okay, now I can sleep easy. <laughs> Least favorite... I've always said found footage, but I went to a horror trivia the other night and they had a whole section on bug movies. And then I'm like, oh, this is my least favorite subgenre There for you go. reasons we've already discussed. I don't want to watch those movies. I don't like them. What are some movies that count as bug movies besides uh, arachnophobia? And Eight-Legged Freaks, The Nest. I'm not going to count the fly because the fly is more of a body horror thing. Like, yeah, there's a bug, but he's turning into a monster. It's more Yeah. of a transformation thing than like bugs are attacking. Them is a bug movie from the 1950s. The 1950s had a lot of them. Tarantula. I'm worried they're making a comeback because now we have the Arachnophobia remake. We have that movie Sting. I'm like, I really hope that bug movies aren't coming back. I don't want them to come back. Keep them out of my trailers. <laughs> I don't want to see trailers for bug movies. Don't give me that. Oh, you should go watch The Swarm on Netflix. <laughs> It's a French horror movie. I don't It's about want to. it's about a woman who runs a locust farm. And it's basically a bug slash vampire horror movie. It's so Hmm. <laughs> 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 fucking gross.
So the gross. the last segment of Creep Show is a bug movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'll watch Creep Show again, but I will turn it off when we get to the last segment because I don't I don't need to see that part. And you live I in saw the New York City apartment. Do you ever have like bugs in your apartment that you freak out over? We do sometimes. We had a cockroach for the first time last month. I've been in this apartment for eight years, and this is the first time I'd ever seen a cockroach, and I freaked the fuck out. That's why you have roommates. That is why I have roommates. I was like, what the hell? Thankfully, we have not seen more, but that, yeah. You know, sometimes there will be, like, mice or rats passing through or whatever, and they're always just passing through, and my roommates always freak out, and I, like, don't care. I'm like... Guys, it's just passing through. We notice every time this happens, we put out all the traps and then nothing happens. They don't go in the traps and we don't see them again for like three months. They're just <laughs> passing through. They're just oh, passing know. through. They don't only, live here. Only New Yorkers would say that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was the case with that cockroach as well. But that that freak, that, that was not something I wanted to see on the floor of my kitchen at two o'clock in the morning oh yeah that's happened to me before <laughs> that's never mm -hmm. fun i i once woke up to gus juggling with one. Oh god and it got in his mouth too so. ah thanks for that image <laughs> you're welcome if anyone's <laughs> listening and they can photoshop a tabby cat with a cockroach in his mouth send it straight to david do not do that let's get <laughs> off this topic i'm trying <laughs> <laughs> not trying hard enough allison <laughs> <laughs> who are your favorite horror directors mm, i have so many i was taking notes on this question before and i just wrote out like a list that is not organized in any way because i don't i i don't know <laughs> i mean Wes craven and john carpenter have to be the tops i think right like they're so good and so prolific and have so many i am definitely a mike flanagan fanboy though so i think he, he's he's also up there for me i love all the mike flanagan stuff so much i like the 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 melding of the classic horror with like this very character-centric narrative that mike flanagan always does and i i, I think it's so fascinating it's so good and i love all of his weird shots <laughs> yeah i wrote james wan karen kusama julia ducarneau I'm going to skip these guys who only have like two or three movies. This week I've been watching uh, Kanito Shindo, who is a Japanese director in the 1960s. I was just watching a couple of his movies this week, and they're so fucking good. There's a movie called Oni Baba, which is like, it's it's kind of horror, but it's also like not obviously horror at first. Like you're watching, you're like, this is, I feel like this is just a period drama. It's a really good period drama. And then you get to like the the the, the horror stuff, but it's not even clear if it's supernatural or not it's about these two women during the war-torn medieval japan who like while all the men are off fighting in in some war that they don't even know whose side they're supposed to be on the this mother and daughter-in-law are left behind at home and in order to survive they are killing all the samurai who pass through so that they can steal their belongings and sell them for food that's cool. <laughs> I yeah, I can get on board with that. It's so good. And it just it just keeps going and it keeps getting more and more complicated. And you're like whose side you're on shifts throughout the movie. It's it's brilliant. And it's so weird and like shot in such a surreal way. 
excellent movie. Nice. It feels since you said it starts off like a drama and then mm -hmm. it gets a little bit hard. That sounds like what Ari Aster thinks Hereditary is just like a family drama. I feel like Hereditary really. starts off and it's already pretty horror. I don't know. He calls it a family drama. So, I mean, it is that also, <laughs> but like it starts off and, you know, there's like a dead bird that she beheads. Everyone does that. <laughs> it's fine. Do you do that, Allison? No, of course not. What kind of a sick person do you think I am? I'm not a child. I don't know. <laughs> You're not. Wait, when you were a child, did you do that? No, okay. no, I I never I was never really an outdoors kid. I liked to stay indoors. I was an early adopter of AOL, so I was you know talking to teenagers in chat rooms probably way too young. You cut off their heads? No, I don't even know where they lived. So oh okay, yeah. If you did know where they lived, would you have cut off their heads? That seems really hard. <laughs> Too much work. What do I get out of it? A head? I don't. What do you I get a head? For? I have. Why don't, I you have don't want to get a head in life? Huh. So, like we mentioned at the beginning, <laughs> you are the co-host of the Cadaver Dogs podcast with our mutual friend Devin Shepard, who was a guest in 2022. How did the idea come about for Cadaver Dogs, and who came up with the name? Oh, I fought against the name. Oh. I'm glad I lost that because I think it's a good name. But it was so we used to have three of us. Now it's just me and Devin, but we used to have a third co-host, Rob. And he was really the one who was pushing it as far as I know. There was a night we're all friends, me, Devin and Rob. We are all friends in real life. I think they didn't know each other as well as I knew both of them, but I knew both of them very well. So there was a night when me and Rob were hanging out and drinking. And then we, we started talking about reanimator. And specifically, we started talking about you've seen Reanimator, right? I have not seen Reanimator. Oh, you should see Reanimator. It's so good. But I have it's... had Dennis Paoli on this podcast. So, which one's that? He is the screenwriter. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also wrote the screen the screenplay for uh, Suitable Flesh. It I is the same it. guy. Yeah. I thought I saw it was the same guy, but then I think I said that to someone, they were like, no, it's a different guy. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it is the same guy. Cool. <laughs> yeah, Super Bowl Flesh was good, too. Reanimator is amazing. But it's, you know, it's, it's Herbert West is this college-age scientist dude who has discovered a serum that brings things back to life. <laughs> and at one point in the movie, he brings back a dead cat. And Barbara Crampton is like all upset because the cat was dead. And he and she thinks that Herbert killed him. And Herbert then gives this story about how the cat died in some random freak accident. And we started discussing this scene because it's never really confirmed whether or not Herbert killed the cat. And throughout the movie, Herbert West is kind of an anti-hero where a lot of his actions are questionable. He is. He says he's trying to do this for the betterment of mankind, but is he really, or is he just curious and wants to to poke the the bear? So if you think he killed the cat, then he's just poking the bear. He just wants to see what's happened. He's only interested in himself, and he's not really ethical at all. But if the cat did die in a random freak accident, then now maybe he is actually trying to do this in an honest way. He is legitimately interested in the pursuit of science. 
And basically, whether or not you think he killed the cat determines your opinion, your your perspective on the themes of the movie. And then as we're having a discussion, Rob just goes, this should be a podcast. And I said, no, Rob had his own podcast at that point with a different group of people, which eventually fell apart. But well, during that time, he had Devin on at some point and he really liked her as a guest. So then he asked her to do a, a podcast and then they ganged up and came at me and they were like, David, we want you to be a third person on the podcast. And then I was like, fine. That's awesome. <laughs> I think Rob came up with the name. We we had a very, very long back and forth debating names and listening a bunch of different names. And I don't remember the one that I wanted. <laughs> but our podcast is more about analyzing horror movies. So it's more about the the themes and the cultural influences, the history, and just kind of trying to get at a deeper understanding of the movies and what makes them tick and why they are the way they are and what they say about us than it is a review podcast. We do our reviews at the end very quickly, but for the most part, the show is more about the analysis. Yeah, it, it's so great. I love listening to it. You come out bi-weekly, correct? Twice a month? Once a month. Once a month? Okay. You guys do such huge deep dives and it's awesome to <laughs> listen to. And I've been on an episode or two. Is it two episodes now? You were on an episode and a mini-sode, I think. Yeah. Because we did our our crossover that was on both of our streams yes. with the Brooklyn Horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be on again at some point because we liked having you and it was a good episode. Yeah, it was fun. But yeah, we do two movies in each episode, but we are comparing them based more on their themes than anything else. So this pat th- this month, the one we just released is about the Island of Lost Souls from 1931 and Us from a few years ago. So it's like across a century, these movies that deal with oppressors and imperialism and class warfare and like basically both of them involve this rebellion of the the underclass rising up against their oppressors and like who even is the monsters here and whatnot. And there's a lot of race stuff in there as well. We talk a lot about eugenics, unfortunately, because it turns out that H.G. Wells, who wrote the Island of Dr. Moreau that Island of the Lost Souls is based on, w- w- was a pretty hardcore eugenicist. <laughs> That's all over that movie. <laughs> um, I have, I've never watched that movie. I don't know if it would be for me, but it sounds really interesting. So I'm really glad that yeah. I heard about it. Yes. I really like it, but it also is definitely problematic a lot. (laughs) And we do not shy away when a movie is problematic. We will absolutely call it out. And sometimes we even disagree. And it's really fun when we disagree because then we get to have like a bit more of a debate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone go check it out. I'll leave a link in the show notes. And then you also wrote and directed a short called Pillow Talk, which you mentioned. Yes, I did. It was aptly released on Valentine's Day last week. I watched it. It was super spooky. Don't bring home randos from the bars, everyone. What was the process like from conception to filming it to getting it out? Yeah, so that one, sometime during COVID, this is going to sound pretentious again because I am pretentious. Let's just own it now. So I had a nightmare and I came out of the, I, I, at like four o'clock in the morning one of those weird nightmares when you're half asleep, but you're also not fully asleep, so you're still aware of what's going on. And then I came out of that, and I was just like, I'm going to write that down. 
Then I wrote it down and then I went to sleep. And then I woke up the next morning and I read it back to myself and I said, yeah, I can film that. So it's about a man who wakes up beside a strange woman who may or may not be human. And it is very paranormal, spooky stuff. We got our influences from all over. It's very David F. Sandberg lights out. If you've yeah. seen the lights out short, it's great. Uh, took a lot of influence from there. There's also a fair amount of J horror influence. Um, a lot of the effects came from studying J horror stuff. So like the actor who plays the strange woman is herself a dancer and was therefore able to do all these like weird movements that look very unnatural, but like, it's just her being great. <laughs> and we shot those with some camera trips to, to make it more choppy. And then we did some editing tricks, like dropping frames and reversing footage and stuff like that. And the product is very low budget, very DIY, but I hope really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like that sometimes people have asked me how we did the CGI and there isn't any. That's very cool. How has the response been to it so far? Response has been good. We went around to a bunch of different film festivals. We hit seven or eight of them. At one of them, we won Best Film. We were nominated for Best Paranormal Short at another. We were nominated for Best Sound Design at another. So it, 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 it did pretty pretty decent on the festival circuit, and I have, have not yet heard anyone not like it. <laughs> Maybe they wouldn't tell me if they didn't like it. I don't know, but so far, everyone I've shown it to has been like, that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you ever do a, like, would you ever try to extend it to, like, full length, a full length movie if you had the opportunity to do that? If someone wanted me to do that, then I guess I could. But I have other screenplays that were always intended to be feature length, and I'd rather push those. I'd be like, you know, you like that? Here's here's my little spooky horror movie that I, is a feature that I wrote, and let, let's do this one. Yeah, I, I do have those. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any plans to start shooting any of your scripts in the near future? Features, no, but I have another short that is in early, that not early development, it's in development, it's in pre-production right now. And we don't have a date yet, but hopefully soon. Oh, awesome. Do you have a title for it yet that you can tell? It's called Wild Animals. Hmm. It's similar-ish style to Pillow Talk, but we're doing some different stuff this time. There's going to be a little bit more effects, a little bit more budget. Yeah. Nice. I'm curious, <laughs> how long did it take to shoot Pillow Talk? It was two days, two short days. One was nine hours and one was 10 hours. Those are short days in film, by the way. <laughs> I said that like without a hint of irony. And then I realized, oh, people don't think those are short days, but they are. We shot it in the middle of winter because then the nights would be longer. So we could start earlier and get out at a reasonable hour, like, you know, midnight, one o'clock. Yeah. Two days is usually long for something that it's only five minutes long. But it, it's there's no dialogue in the movie. It's all action stuff. A lot of it is very specific effects that we needed to make work. So the the two days, I think, were very well used and also allowed us to not go full 12, which was nice. Amazing. I will leave links, of course, to Pillow Talk in the show notes. 
Are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again? Aside from the ones we already talked about that we don't need to get back into. I don't want to watch any movies with, like, actual animal cruelty or anything like that. Like, I won't, I won't watch Cannibal Holocaust because of the animal cruelty. And I won't watch Friday the 13th again. I've seen that one before because I didn't know about the animal cruelty. And then I found out and was like, oh, I can't watch that movie again. <laughs> they, they, the snake that they kill in the movie, they actually killed in real life. And that's how they shot that. And that, mm -hmm. that, that made me mad. Yeah, David yeah. and I are both vegetarians, so. Yes. Yes, we are both vegetarians. We do not eat animals. <laughs> Have you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters? <laughs> Why, yes. As a matter of fact, it was watching horror movies in theaters in which I met my good friend, Allison Broder. <laughs> yes, we, we attended the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival last year together, mm -hmm. along with De Devin and Chloe. Yep, and Chloe I also met watching... Evil Dead Rise, I think, was when I met her. Mm. Yeah, it's I a lot of these film festivals or like special screenings, they're all attended by horror people are just <laughs> a great way of just building that sense of community. And I really like that we have that little horror community now in, in our New York, which yeah. is great because <laughs> too many friends that you meet in the wild don't like horror. And then you need to explain to them why they're wrong. And it's nice to not have to explain why they're wrong every time. Yes, preach. <laughs> so what was your favorite horror movie of 2023? Because we haven't really had a lot of horror come out so far in 2024. Yeah, it's true. We haven't. I think most of the 2024 movies I've seen have been horror. <laughs> they have not been great. Yeah, I don't know if there are any that I thought were particularly good so far in 2024. Yeah. I mean, unless you count Suitable Flesh as 2024. Because it was festivals 2023, but it only came out on Shutter in 2024. That's true, yeah. <laughs> but for 2023, uh, Godzilla minus one, definitely. Mm. Did you see Godzilla minus one? Yes, I did. So fucking good. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, it was, yeah, I I did enjoy it, but it did not make my top ten list. I don't think so, at least. Top ten of the year, or top ten horror of the year. Both. Are those the same thing? Yeah, probably. I mean, no, I had two different lists. I think I did. I don't remember. That wasn't on either of them. Okay. That's okay. I love that movie. <laughs> it has, it's so visceral and, and dynamic. Like all the Godzilla scenes are fantastic, but it still has that careful human story to it as well. Like it, it gets both sides correct. And it's it's just like fun to watch. It's just really entertaining to watch and entertaining with value to it as well. Uh, on Cadaver Dogs, we did do an episode of our top movies of 2023. I hadn't seen Godzilla Minus One yet when we did that. So at that point, my top was Talk To Me. I love Talk To Me. But then I saw Godzilla Minus One and that that's that's the best horror movie of 2023. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. Godzilla is horror. Godzilla needs to be yeah. horror more. Yeah, I think it's definitely mm -hmm. horror. It was also the first Godzilla movie that I had ever seen when I saw it. So. Really? Was minus one? Mm -hmm. Okay. Unless you count Cloverfield as Godzilla. No, because it's a different monster. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a kaiju movie, but it's, it's not Godzilla. 
Yeah. <laughs> so on the flip side, what horror movie are you most looking forward to seeing in 2024? Yeah, I mean, it's the same as the movies I'm most looking forward to in 2024 in this case. And those are Nosferatu and Maxine. I, I don't know which I'm looking forward to more. It depends on which is good. But Nosferatu is like, you know, Willem Dafoe is playing Dracula adjacent, which ironically he's done before. But this time he's like actually doing it because that time he was he was playing the actor who played Nosferatu, but he was actually a vampire. It was weird. I wasn't that crazy about that movie. But this time he's actually Nosferatu himself. And I'm like, great, I'm in. And it's Robert Eggers. I'm in. Yeah, Robert Eggers hasn't missed so far. And Nosferatu is perfect for him. And then Maxine, I mean, I don't know anything about this movie, and I kind of want to go in as blind as I can, but just X and Pearl were both so fucking good that, of course, I'm looking forward to Maxine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I hear that Maxine is going to be unbelievably gory. So great. he might be a little bit more horror-esque than Pearl was, which is great because Pearl mm. was a good movie and Mia Goth was amazing in it. But, like, it just it wasn't super horror-y to me. Okay. So. Pearl will be on Cadaver Dogs in March. It's very yeah. easy to plug Cadaver Dogs because, like, we just keep yeah. naming movies and we very quickly run into ones that we've got. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like? Well, I think people generally don't like horror movies, so therefore all of them. One specifically? There's definitely a few I think the one that comes to mind first is Slumber Party Massacre Part 2, which I think is a masterpiece. <laughs> and I'm always recommending it to people, and then they always come away like, yeah, that was fine, I guess. <laughs> like, no one gets it. And I'm like, I, it's so absurd and ridiculous, and I love it. I also really love A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. That's very specific. Is, it's Dream Child. It's, it's the one where Lisa is pregnant. Never seen it. Lisa, I've all, I Lisa. haven't gotten Lisa gone the, past four. So Lisa's the actor. Alice is the character. Sorry. But yeah, it's the same final girl from part four. I think it's the only time that someone got to be the final girl twice mm -hmm. in, in the franchise. And in this one, she's pregnant. And it's like, it's a fucking weird ass movie. Like any of the flaws that you can point out about, about this movie, I agree with all of them. All of the complaints that people have are absolutely legitimate and they are real problems with the movie. I just, I don't care. <laughs> it's that's all there is to it. I just, it doesn't matter to me. I think there's so much interesting shit in it. And like it is like about her having the baby of her rapist and like about all of the conflicting emotions that go into that. And it's just it's just so interesting. And there's so much stuff that I like. I love how in the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, especially the later ones, the death scenes of each character become very specific to that character. And like it almost becomes a shorthand for remembering who they are. Like obviously the first one is absolutely brilliant. But you know, in the first one, the death scenes don't really, you, you could swap them around and it wouldn't make much of a difference. In the later ones, like, oh, this person really likes comic books so we're gonna do a whole death scene where he's sucked into a comic book this girl is like has some anorexia by proxy that her mother is like enforced an eating disorder on her so now we're going to do an eating disorder themed death scene 
with her mother watching and i'm like this is so messed up in Ooh. so many ways oh that does not messed up <laughs> it's so messed up i i i love it i love it i i also just like all these movies with crazy special effects i i think they're it's fun to watch them and try and figure out how they're even doing all of this yeah we've had a ton of remakes in the last 30 years and i know the haunting is your favorite remake it is not after the haunting from 1999 i'm not gonna let you gaslight your audience into thinking <laughs> i like the haunting 1999 i do not like it <laughs> do you have a favorite remake besides the haunting from 1999 a favorite remake huh. i mean the fly which we already mentioned like obviously the fly and the thing are like the remakes that everyone comes back to and invasion of the body snatchers man my favorite i didn't think about my favorite remake which one's my favorite though Probably the fly. The fly is so good. Yeah. So if you could remake a horror movie, which one would it be? Well, I wrote a feature script that's not quite a remake of a horror movie, but is also very much inspired by an older horror movie that is not very good. And I don't want to get more specific than that. But I think that remakes should be made more of movies that weren't quite as good as they could have been like you know when you remake a nightmare on elm street it's like why what what are you doing you're just making the same thing but worse with a boring color grade and boring cgi effects and weaker acting even from good actors and like lame directing and writing and why why what's the point <laughs> and that's the case with a lot of these remakes of like movies that were already good. So for me, I care more, you know, some of them managed to be good anyway, but I think we should remake more bad movies and we should, cause then we can make them better. So yeah. like, it's going to be a weird answer because the movie I'm going to say was not a horror movie, but it should have been. And that's passengers with Chris Pratt and Jennifer oh, yeah. Lawrence. Mm -hmm. That should have been a horror movie. That could have been an amazing yeah. horror movie. I've thought about this way too much. Like, for those who haven't seen this movie, it is set in space on, like, a passenger spaceship that's going to another planet. But, you know, it's going to take a really long time, so they have to go into cryo. And then his, Chris Pratt's cryopod malfunctions, so he wakes up early, and then he's basically doomed to spend his entire life on this ship because that's how long it's going to take to get to their destination. So he's really lonely, so he wakes up Jennifer Lawrence. And, like, of course he picks, like, the pretty woman. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, okay, that's really interesting. But then the movie wants it to be, like, a romance where you're supposed to be rooting for them to get together, and I'm not rooting for them to get together at all. Yeah. This this could have been 10 Cloverfield Lane in space, but it wasn't. So it should be remade, but set it from her point of view. We'll probably understand just intuitively that he woke her up, but she doesn't. We, we can be questioning that for a little while. Let him be already crazy. Like, how long has he been awake for? How long has he been dealing with this? Did he, I think in the actual movie, he held out for like a month or two. Let him hold out for a bit longer. Let him go a little crazy with the isolation. And now, instead of it being like handsome Chris Pratt, but they have zero chemistry, let it be just 
John Goodman because I'm going back to the 10 Cloverfield Lane <laughs> reference. And it should all be a little bit uneasy and you should be really fucking uncomfortable with this. Like, what are they supposed to do? She can't go back to sleep. He's doomed her to live the rest of her life out on this ship with him. What happens now? Remake that. That's so good. Oh, that's such a good answer. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Good job. Good job. (laughs) Yeah. My last question is, if you could go back in time and see one horror movie on a big screen with an audience, which one would it be? Okay, I thought about this a bit before the thing and i was going through them and what i came out with and devin's gonna hate this answer because devin is the reason i didn't see this in theaters because she told me it was only okay (laughs) (laughs) and that's ready or not (laughs) we're not friends anymore you are cut out of the group chat devin told me it was only okay so i did not see it in theaters and i waited till i could like get it from Redbox or whatever i did to watch it and I was like, this is like the best movie of that year. And that was a good year. But I'm like, this, yeah. this is the best one. This movie is brilliant. I've seen it like four or five times now. I love it so much. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I love that movie. I own it. Um, nice. I put it on every, every now and then. Oh. It's, it's an easy one to just put on and watch because it's so much fun. Yeah. It's not that scary. The blood doesn't look real. But it's it good. still has gore. It still yeah. is gory. The, the the part where she puts her hand on the the yeah. random screw that's sticking up for no reason like they yeah. do in like every movie now. <laughs> what why why is there a why is the screw going up? Who builds anything that way? How did you get your drill under the floorboard to drill it up? <laughs> that is the question of our time. <laughs> I love Ready or Not so much. Yeah, that's the awesome. answer. Awesome answer. I did see in theaters, so it was a fun one. Good for you. Yeah. I'm not jealous. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and your stuff and Cadaver Dogs online? Yeah, well, you can find my socials first, my personals. I'm at your friendly neighborhood underscore DBJ on Instagram. The underscores, because when I first made my Instagram, I, I like, you know, I friend a bunch of people like my sister and then my sister messaged me and she's like, so I did figure it out, but without like, it's your friendly neighborhood DBJ and the two D's just kind of blended together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll add an underscore. Thank you. <laughs> so you can follow that. You can also follow my letterbox. I'm DBJ film. I post a lot on Letterboxd. I, I review everything that I watch. Sometimes really yeah. epic reviews. Sometimes I just ramble. Sometimes I just <laughs> I just am too fascinated and need to go into like a deep analysis of something and I just keep going. Yeah. For Cadaver Dogs, you can follow us at Cadaver Dogs Pod on Instagram, Twitter. TikTok and YouTube. Devin usually does the plugs. And you can also just, you can find us wherever you get your podcast. For Pillow Talk, I have a Twitter. It's Pillow Talk Movie. But all you really need is the YouTube link, which will be in the description. You can watch the movie. It's five minutes long. I hope you like it. If you do, then put a little like on the video, leave a comment, and... You know, tell me what you thought about or what you think it means. Give me your analysis because I like analysis. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being here and I will talk to you soon. 
Thank you very much. I'm sure I will talk to you soon. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There? I hope you enjoyed my conversation with David B. Jacobs, and thanks again to David for coming on. I'll leave links to everything we talked about in the episode in the show notes. Don't forget to check out his short pillow talk. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Who's There PC. Don't forget to check out our Patreon, and if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at Who's There PC at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and never ask Who's There. <laughs>